the seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras, and now your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, my7chakras.com, the show where we provide you ancient wisdom for self healing and transformation. Now, in today's episode, we're going to chat with a board certified naturopathic doctor. Uh, to learn what it really takes to balance our body and re-energize it with the life that you so deserve. And uh, we're going to dive into the ancient uh, science of Ayurveda and functional medicine to identify how we can experience more harmony and more relaxation and more bliss in our day-to-day life. So you're going to really, really enjoy what we're going to explore on today's episode. But before that, let's listen to a recent five-star rating and review from a listener named La Jolly, who writes, I absolutely appreciate and look forward to hearing these particular podcasts. The amount of information that's provided along with the awesome interviews are definitely enlightening. Love, love, love. So Action Drive, if you'd like for me to read out your review as well, to our global audience, then go to my7chakras.com forward slash review, my7chakras.com forward slash review, and make sure that you hit submit so that I receive your message and can share it with our listeners. All right. So our guest for today is a board certified naturopathic doctor. At 17 years old, he was diagnosed with a life altering illness and given no hope for recovery. Every day he suffered endlessly for many years. It was only after he traveled all over the world and discovered how to combine ancient Ayurvedic healing practices with state-of-the-art naturopathic and functional medicine did he understand how to fully rebalance the body and re-energize it with life. And today in his online and Boston practice, where he and his team have completed over 250,000 client appointments. He uses functional medicine, lab testing, and personalized wellness plans to help people rebalance their mind and body to recover from autoimmune, thyroid, fatigue, hormone, uh, weight gain, digestive, childhood, mood, skin, and dozens of other hard-to-beat health conditions. So in case you're wondering, should I listen to this episode or not, then it's and affirmation. It's it's a yes, because you are definitely going to enjoy today's episode. And with that action tribe, our guest for today is Dr. Stephen Cabral. Stephen, are you ready to inspire? I'm ready. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Well, first of all, I really, really appreciate you coming on our show because, you know, the book of yours is a huge book, right? Uh, 400 pages. And like you, we were chatting before this interview, it was actually around 800 pages. So there's a l- loads of information. And not just that, you've also from time to time made the information very actionable. And you've provided many case studies and many uh, stories that will allow people to really embody what you're sharing and make it very actionable. So I appreciate you, first of all, for writing this book. And before we get started, what is that one inspiring quote that is on your mind right now? And how do you apply it in your daily life? day-to-day life sorry <laughs> yeah one of my one of my favorite quotes there's a few that i live by for sure but it's just that that if you always do what you've always done you continue to get what you've always gotten and mm-hmm. so there's so many people out there who want to lose weight who want to get well who want to live longer stronger but they're continuing to go through those same patterns in life and until they break those it might not be a huge you know diversion on the path but until they break those and begin to do something different they're not going to begin that healing process Got it, got it. Thanks a lot for sharing, Action Tribe. Uh, think about it. Most of your life that happens on a day-to-day basis, 80% is governed by your subconscious mind. And so if you keep doing what you're doing, then you will. the results that you're going to get is the same that you're always going to get, that you have got. And so if you want to shift, then you need to shift and break through that routine that you are already in. And today we're going to give you some ideas, some tips, some principles that will help you experience that shift. Uh, and Stephen, what really inspired you to write your book, The Rain Battle Effect? Well, for me, it was the discussion in that book is a, a different way of looking at our overall health and 
also helping people transform their body. There's so many people out there right now that are just about 20 pounds away, maybe 30 pounds away from being at their ideal goal weight, but not for vanity's standpoint. If they were to lose the weight, they would automatically begin to take their health and energy and stamina to that next level because they wouldn't be carrying around. I mean, think about how much 25 pounds weighs. And all of that extra body fat actually begins to recirculate more estrogen in the body. And estrogen levels can lead to things like bloating and lower mood and irritability and acne and skin rash. So what I'm trying to do for a lot of people is shift. Now, I love state-of-the-art medicine. We use it in our practice for at-home lab testing. But so many people have forgotten about the Eastern ways, the Eastern philosophies, which make up everything except conventional medicine. And it was always about a removal. It was always about a subtractive process rather than addition. So I want us to get back to the process of emptying our rain barrel. And we can talk about how it gets full in the first place if you want. Sure. But as you begin to empty that rain barrel, you actually begin to take back your health and really regain your body and your confidence again. Got it. So I love your uh, response. I really love it, mainly because you look at uh, being obese or having that extra weight, not just from an aesthetic standpoint, not just about feeling you know, more beautiful or handsome, which is one of the side effects, but you look at, it, look at it as, you know, having more energy and not having to carry that much weight around and feeling more healthy, which I, which I love. And we're going to go deeper into it. And like you've alluded to, what exactly is the rain battle? If you can help us understand that a bit. So everyone has a rain barrel in every aspect of their life. And you can look at it for everything in general, meaning like if you want a, a good you know, standpoint is that a lot of people, when they get really stressed out, well, it's a little thing. It's that little thing. It's called, right, the straw that broke the camel's back. Well, it's everything that led up to that point. So maybe they didn't get enough sleep and their kids woke up early and they were just found out they had a meeting at work. And then all of a sudden the doorbell rang and they started screaming. Well, it's just your doorbell, you know, like, you don't. So that was the filling up of that rain barrel. Now, with our health, what happened to me was that I was eating poorly as a child. I was, you know, drinking Kool-Aid and eating Lucky Charms and, you know, all sorts of a lot of dairy with all of my meals, cold milk, cows-based milk. And then I was on antibiotics four or five times a year. And then when I was 14, I went to the dermatologist and they said, oh, you have some acne. Why don't we put you on amoxicillin twice a day? And I was on that for three years. Well, at 17 years old, my body finally broke. I was under stress with trying to get into a good college and doing all of these things. And at that point, my immune system began to shut down and dysfunction. I had mm. filled up my rain barrel and now it overflowed. Now, I thought I was okay until that day I got sick. But I wasn't. It was filling up all along the way. And that's what we need to be aware of. Got it. Got it. So thanks a lot. That's a wonderful explanation and action tribe. I hope you're listening. Uh, it's not just one thing that you do or do not do that leads to that disease or that illness or that discomfort. It is that every thing that you do or those habits or those way of thinking or those medicines or whatever that might be that you do on an ongoing basis that so slowly builds up and ultimately leads to the overflow of your own version of rain barrel. So think about what are those things that you're doing on an ongoing basis that might have contributed to your disease or that illness. Um, and uh, Stephen, as a kid, you wanted to be an archaeologist, right? Uh, so why archaeology and, and then what made you change your mind from wanting to be an archaeologist to now being a, a doctor, in a sense? Well, for me, I, I think it was the sense of adventure and of right. mystery and of trying to figure things out that were lost. And it's funny because if I, I never realized it at the time, but I did my internships. I chose to leave the U.S. I went and studied in India uh, multiple times. I studied in Sri Lanka and in China and over Europe. And I did internships in the U.S. as well. But I think what I was really looking for was what form of medicine am I going to practice mm. that I would help people be able to heal? And what I realized was the, the one big principle across all of those was detoxification, the emptying of the rain barrel, that okay. every form of medicine has that. So that was what was lost that, that I think I feel like I discovered and kind of brought a lot of that back. But at mm -hmm. the same time, um, when I did go over there, I realized that there is no one best form of medicine. And you probably realize that as well. It's is how do we integrate all forms of medicine to use with the right person at just the right time that has the answer they're looking for? Got it, got it. So thanks a lot for sharing. And that's a wonderful way to sort of go back in time and bring back those uh, wisdom, those principles, and those ways of healing that you can now uh, provide to your patients. And I remember that in your book, 
you speak very highly about your experience in Sri Lanka, right? So talk to us about what, what exact, exactly happened in Sri Lanka. What was your experience like and what did you find out? Well, in Sri Lanka, I was studying Ayurvedic medicine. It's just okay. a slight variation because it's an island off of India. So it's an island off of the eastern tip of um, India. And so they, they share a lot of the same uh, principles as, as mainland India, but it is different. And, and there are some different principles there. And I also studied at a, a world-renowned Ayurvedic center where they had top doctors there. It was actually beautifully done. And what I learned was this process called Panchakarma. Mm -hmm. And it was, it's called, it translates to five actions. And it's these five different methodologies. There are more. But it's a literally ringing out of your body. If you want to think of it that way, it's ringing out your body of all the toxins. So they're using lymphatic-based massage. In the U.S., we rediscovered this, or in Europe, in like the 1950s and 60s, but it's been around for 6,000 years in Ayurveda. Yeah. And then um, we did, um, a lot of people don't know, but in Ayurveda, there is also acupuncture. It's, mm. it's using the marma points. So I looked at that, and I, learned, I looked at all these methodologies, the sweating, the sauna, the sunbathing that we've forgotten about. And I realized that there's, there's a true holistic way that mm -hmm. we need to get back to our roots as humans, as part of nature. And Sri Lanka allowed me to do that. And then when I was in India, it was much harder living. I was at, I was at many different clinics in mm. um, you know, some, some distant places with, with um, not a lot of means. And it mm. was great for me to be a part of that as well. But the, the, the education was great, but the living was very difficult. Got it, got it. I've never been to Sri Lanka myself, but I've heard some good things about it. And so maybe in the future, I might go on a Ayurvedic retreat in Sri Lanka for sure. Thanks a lot for sharing. Absolutely. Uh, now you've written that, uh, and you've alluded to that also. You've shared your story when you were 17 years old. You were diagnosed with a life-altering illness, and were given no hope for recovery. So take us back to that time. Where were you, and what was life like? What were you feeling like back in that day? Well. I came from the position of, you know, I was essentially oldest in my family and I was the first okay. one to, you know, like go off to college and I was going to be leaving my friends and my family. I was going to be moving out of state for the university that I was going to. And um, I think all of that was very overwhelming to me. It was very stressful. And also the, the, the fact of like trying to take SATs for the first time and get into a good school. And it really wore in my body more so than I thought. Mm. I was working at two jobs at the time, you know, the summer before I got sick taking martial arts, doing sports. And it really took a toll on me, but I took great pride in everything that I did. I was too much of a perfectionist. Mm. Well, what happened was when I got sick and I got very sick, I got diagnosed later with Addison's disease, which is the inability to produce cortisol or energy. Mm. As It's also an anti-inflammatory. So my body had flu-like symptoms all the time. I got diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. I couldn't regulate my blood sugar. Rheumatoid arthritis, which is an autoimmune-based issues. Uh, issue and something called POTS, which is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, which is um, it's debilitating. You basically, you stand up, you start to feel lightheaded and dizzy. You start to get hot flashes and sweats. Your heart rate starts to spike after just walking up one flight of stairs, uh, all very debilitating. And, and the life that I had was gone in an instant. So it was a very big shot to my ego, um, which again, I'm, I'm a young kid. I'm you know from Medford, Massachusetts. I don't, I don't know anything. I really don't. Mm -hmm. um, all I knew was, you know, like how to just bowl my way through things, just kind of run forward. And oh, that was gone. I no longer had energy and body and mind. So there was a lot of depression. There was a lot of anxiety. And um, I had to re literally rebuild my body and mind uh, to someone new who I am today. And, and I'm very actually, when people ask, like, you know, are you still upset about that, about all the antibiotics and everything that you were put on that destroyed your gut and made you get sick? And mm -hmm. the truth is that I'm not because I would probably not be a good person today. Um, had I not had to go through all of that that I had to go through. Got it, got it. So we're getting different glimpses of uh, the different things that filled up your reign battle, uh, such as the pressure of being the the eldest and having to cope up with your studies. So the pressure around there, you know, competitive exams are never easy to take, as well as the pressure for the extracurricular activities that you were engaged in. All of that led to the filling of your reign battle. And then obviously you were diagnosed and given amoxicillin, right, for many months, even which uh, which really hampered your your health. So, talk to us about at what point did you discover Ayurveda? Like, where did that happen? Like, did someone speak to you? Did you read an article online, or how did that happen? 
So I got sick in the late 90s, so there was no real internet, and that was a good thing, because had I gone online, I would have found many articles, but no depth. And so it's what I try to teach to a lot of health coaches and practitioners now, read books, go deep. Mm. You know, it's why, I mean, my book is, it's a big book, but I try to make it conversational. I try to, and and I just say, mine is one book, read Mm. a lot of books, get Mm. a lot of different perspectives. You will see that most people who have no agenda, no marketing agenda, what they're doing is they're all speaking their truth. And when you look at these truths, they overlap. And the overlap, you know, it has to be true. It's because people are in clinical practice. They're helping people. These things work. So what I did is I read many books. And there sometimes be a little phrase here and there about Ayurveda, but nothing major. What happened was, though, I was getting well. I was doing a lot of at-home lab testing and looking at food sensitivities and my adrenals. And I had big gut issues. I had candida overgrowth and SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and H. pylori. And that was from all, I took 3,000 capsules of amoxicillin over my life. Wow. So that just destroyed my gut. It lead to a lot of intestinal permeability. Mm-hmm. And I was getting better that way, but I wasn't fully healing. And then I read a book by my mentor and it made sense. And she combined functional medicine with Ayurvedic medicine. And I said, I have to meet this person. Mm-hmm. I need to learn from them because I'm someone that already had my ego shattered. Now I simply wanted to learn from everyone I could. Mm-hmm. And she was the one who pulled it all together for me. She was the one who led me down the path of Ayurveda. And I have an obsessive-based personality. So for me, I just said, okay, I'm going to read everything I can. I read the books of, of um, Vasant Lad, and who is her mentor. She wrote his textbooks, actually. actually. And okay. then I said, this is amazing. Let me now go to the birthplace of Ayurveda and go and study it. Uh, I get it. So thanks a lot for explaining that connection to me. Now, uh, you blend Ayurveda with functional medicine, right? So where does functional medicine differ from Ayurveda? Like what's the difference there and why do we need both? Because that, that was a question I always had in my mind. It's a, and it's a great question. We actually do, it's, we do seven um, forms of medicine. We call it integrative health practice. Okay. And the reason we do that is that we just simply don't believe there's one best form of medicine. Even yeah. conventional medicine, it's the best for acute-based care. So mm. heart attack, accident, stroke, like you have to go to your emergency room and you should get that done. There's nothing right. better. There's no doubt about it. But for anything chronic-based, there's no hope with pharmaceutical drugs. They simply mask those symptoms. And we know that intuitively because if you ever came off them, the disease would come right back. Right. So what we do is we look mainly at functional medicine lab testing. That means if I were to send you um, an organic acids test, a stool test, a food sensitivity test, I would be able to find out everything that's going in on your gut, candida mm. overgrowth. SIBO, Clostridia bacteria, you know, everything that's going on to find out your vitamin levels, your, your mineral levels. So I'd find out what your toxicities are mm-hmm. and what your deficiencies are. Okay. And then I could put you on the exact nutrients your body needs and, and help with that. So that's functional medicine. And it's actually orthomolecular medicine when you talk about vitamins and minerals. Now, yeah. Ayurveda, though, lets me look at the person and understand them as a person, not just their numbers. Mm-hmm. And you need both. I need to know your story. I need to know your also your constitution. So when I can look at a person, I can say, okay, this person is predominantly uh, kapha pitta or whatever it might be. And I can say, okay, they're going to be more prone to weight gain, more prone to type 2 diabetes, higher cholesterol, where one person is more of the vata might be more prone to osteoporosis and catabolism and breakdown. So now I can understand where they're at currently and where their natural genetics are. Ah, I get it now. That that makes total sense. You're looking at the numbers by running these tests, but you're also looking at the person and understanding their unique constitution, vata, pitta, kapha, and then you make that um, that recommendation. So thanks a lot for sharing. And you know, in your book, you talk about the three triggers of or for disease, right? So could you talk to us about what are these triggers? What should we keep in mind, and uh, you know how they affect our lives. Yeah, so I'll give you my own uh, personal example because I hope that people learn from my case study as, as well as many other people's is that because you don't want to always have to re- repeat everyone's mistakes. That was the whole point yeah. about you know, my podcast, my book. is like, hey, just learn from all of these mistakes. So the, my, there's three main triggers. The first one is, yes, genetics matter. But mm-hmm. genetics never are the thing that uh, is the reason why you have the, dis- the dis-ease, I call it, right? Because we don't believe okay. really in the disease model. Disease is a collection of symptoms. If you have rheumatoid arthritis, it is a collection of symptoms, meaning that there's joint-based destruction uh, caused by CD8 immune cells. But why do you have rheumatoid arthritis? It doesn't tell you why. So Mm. you have to look back into, do you have intestinal permeability? Do you have heavy metals? Do you have viral-based overload? 
And we can look at that. And I also tell people, if you got rheumatoid arthritis when you were 28 or 48 or 68, you didn't have it when you're eight years old, but you had the same genetics. So mm. what happened? Well, it's the second part. Genetics matter, but they only matter if your environment allows for that expression. Okay. So what happens is we're exposed to heavy metals, aluminum in our water, fluoride in our water, chlorine in our water and our showers, um, triclosan in our toothpaste, sulfates and binders and all these different things, pesticides and herbicides and fungicides. Well, eventually they begin to pollute the body. They cause mm -hmm. toxicity. They weaken our detox-based protocols. And that is the environment. Now there's one more and that's called the triggering event. Typically it's something like me. So if you look at me, I have certain types of inflammation markers in my body and poor detox that allows me naturally to trend in this direction. Again, it doesn't have to happen, but mm -hmm. I trend in that direction. Then I took amoxicillin for three years straight and took it through my childhood. I was stressed or so getting ready for college. And then um, I was waiting for basically admissions into colleges and all these different things. That was so stressful for me. And then, boom, that was the triggering event. A lot of people, it's the death of a loved one or a breakup in a relationship. And then they already had it boiling up right to the top of the rain barrel. That overflows and the disease now makes its first appearance. Got it. So I'm sure that our listeners who are listening right now are able to take some note and note that there are three triggers. One is the genetics, second is the environment, and third is the trigger event itself. But like you've sort of pointed out, it's not just the genetics. You might have those predispositions, but you need that environment that can be conducive for the creation of that disease. And then ultimately, like in your case, it was that chronic stress that you experienced that was sort of the um, the final kick-in before you had that um, disease or when you had that challenge. Now, uh, you've written about the fact that there are approximately 77,000 man-made chemicals in the environment around us. And that's a pretty scary statistic. So how are these chemicals affecting us? If you can give us an overview of that and what can we do about them? So the, the biggest thing is that most of these are invisible to the eye. When you walk into your grocery food store and you look at the organic food and you look at the conventional food, it kind of looks the same. I mean, you'd have a difficult time distinguishing between two different lemons and, and, and even bananas. I mean, how do you distinguish between an organic banana and a conventional? It's very difficult, right? Mm -hmm. But what happens is, and we're gonna, uh, the bananas aren't the best example because they're not heavily sprayed, but apples are or strawberries are, but they look very similar. Mm -hmm. So what happens is, we have all these invisible chemicals around us like pesticides. Yeah. And we know that when we take them in, they actually start to create an immune-based reaction. That immune reaction begins to create inflammation in the body. It begins to wear us down. The other thing it does is it slows down and makes our detoxification process a little bit more sluggish. Because okay. if every day you are exposed to hundreds of chemicals before you even leave the house, it weakens your body. And you don't see it as toxicity. You see it as weight gain or puffiness or swelling, which is inflammation. You see it as cellulite. Um, you see it as lower mood, lower libido, lower energy, lower stamina. Your body begins to get worn down because you're always fighting against all of these toxins. So we don't notice that they're there, but the average woman leaves her house with 126 chemicals on her body oh. or being exposed to that because of the shampoos and conditioners and the water and the shower and the chlorine, the toothpaste. And the average woman uses 12 different um, bath products or makeups and moisturizers and sunscreens, et cetera. So when we look at that, we just know that it's adding up, right? It's filling up that rain barrel. And I just want, I don't want people to wait till it's too late that they get the disease. And again, you can overcome it. There's no doubt about that. But um, these are things that we need to be aware of. And you can test for them. You can do a toxicity test, simple at-home urine test to, to look for those as well. Got it. So uh, like you pointed out, we've got all these toxins around us and within us as well, depending on what we're consuming. And uh, they're not easy to discern. I mean, they might be appearing in the form of various uh, symptoms like maybe increased weight or just general fatigue throughout the day, low energy levels. So uh, what? how do we get rid of them? Like, w what should we do about this? The fact that we have these 120 chemicals, maybe just when we're going to work in the morning, you know, what? how do we begin the process at least of getting rid of them? So on a daily basis, one of the absolute best things that you can do is take in seven to nine cups of ideally organic fruits and vegetables every day. Okay. That goes back to every form of medicine except conventional medicine. It's, it's you want to make the majority of your diet produce. And 
many reasons you want to do that is one, it's mainly water-based. Our body's about two-thirds water. Blood's 90% water, the plasma. Muscles are about 72% water. But also the minerals come in along with that. And there's, there's, we can't replicate it. There are plant-based antioxidants called polyphenols and anthocyanins, a lot of different, uh, gives, gives it that brightly colored uh, for the fruits and vegetables. Right. But what we want to think about too is the cruciferous vegetables are called, a lot of those are sulfur-based. And they actually help to break down all these fat-soluble chemicals that okay. are locked away in our fat cells that can be liberated. Now, we do that on a daily basis. We make a lot of smoothies in our practice. We're huge advocates of that. But every quarter, every 12 weeks, we follow Ayurvedic-based practices of doing a functional medicine detox. The change of every season allows you the opportunity to essentially remove before moving into that next season. It helps with allergies. It helps with coughs and colds, boosts the immunity. And that combines very specific nutrients along mm -hmm. with strategic fasting and sauna, things like that. Got it. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for sharing. Uh, now, uh, let's talk about gut health for a bit because you've written extensively in your book about the importance of the gut. And you've said that 90% of all autoimmune conditions have their root cause stemming from gut-based dysfunction, uh, which is gut-based diabetes. Uh, di is it dibiosis, which is more bad than good bacteria, compounded with increased gut wall permeability, leaky gut, which causes an exaggerated immune response. So could you break this down for us uh, firstly? And uh, how do we end up with bad bacteria than good bacteria? Yeah, and, and so this is something that natural health knew decades and decades and decades ago. Okay. But conventional medicine never believed it because there wasn't any scientific evidence. Now, okay. when I quote 90%, that's based on actual scientific evidence. But again, it's, it's always been the truth. It's just now we back it up with science. So science takes a while to catch up to what mm -hmm. natural medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, traditional Chinese medicine already knows. So that's why when in doubt, I look back and I say, what do they say in Ayurveda, traditional Chinese medicine, bioregulatory medicine, traditional naturopathy? Mm -hmm. um, because I want to look at that. What were their answers? And I typically err on the side of them because they had 6,000 years, not 100 years, right? So it's totally different. So mm -hmm. um, the reason for the gut-based permeability, or the reason why I should say it causes autoimmune-based issues, is that if you look at the gut wall, it's only one cell thick, but they're all okay. abutting each other, all of those cells. So they're naturally, they have slight permeability. Until we're two years old, mm -hmm. there's actually a lot of permeability. So we have to be careful what we feed our children because it moves through their gut wall very easily. And that's because children were meant to be nursed from about a year and a half to two years minimum. And, and I know that's not able to be done by every woman. I understand that. And, and I, I get that. But I'm just letting you know how the biology of our body works. And the reason is they would get their, their mother's immune cells that would move through the gut wall and actually into their bloodstream. And they would use their mother's immunity. So what happens, though, is they do close up around two years old if their child wasn't exposed to mass antibiotics and um, other uh, things that I'll talk about in a moment. But with autoimmune-based issues is the gut wall is now open. And what happens is proteins and bacteria can seep through into the bloodstream, and that uh. aggravates the immune system. So we, we believe and we know that the immune system is malfunctioning. However, it's not really malfunctioning. What happens is it's hypersensitive because of what's permeating through that gut wall with bacteria, with fats, with proteins, namely proteins that the body recognizes as foreign bodies and it mm -hmm. attacks it. Now, if those foreign bodies are in the joints or tissue, it's rheumatoid arthritis as our body's breaking down. If it's attached to our thyroid, well, then it's Hashimoto's. And if it's on the nervous system, it's, it's MS. So you can see how everyone has a genetic issue. Like all four of my grandparents have rheumatoid arthritis mm. or had my, both of my parents had rheumatoid arthritis. I got rheumatoid arthritis at 17 because it's in my genetics. But what happened is I had massive gut permeability that allowed then for the immune system to become exaggerated that then led to rheumatoid arthritis. Now, I don't have Addison's disease, rheumatoid arthritis, type 2 diabetes, POTS, fibromyalgia, migraines, insomnia, et cetera, today. But I had them. So what happens is those genes got silenced. They got quieted because I sealed back up that gut wall. I began mm. to heal my body. So a lot that the way that our gut becomes permeable is mm -hmm. through artificial sweeteners, through okay. pesticides on the food, because all of those begin to break down the good bacteria in our gut. So that's really important. From antibiotics, those are main things. Stress, alcohol, fried food, all of those things do it as well. Birth control does it. 
But what we want to look at is these things are unnatural. We're never meant to put them in our body. Fruits and vegetables will never cause those specific issues in the first place. It can get exacerbated once you have it, but not in the first place. Got it. So action drive, keep in mind, be mindful of the type of things that you're consuming because we're talking about gut permeability over here. And, uh, you know, sweetened foods or pesticides or, you know, the things that are not really good for you in, in you know, on an intuitive level. But when you consume it, including antibiotics, uh, that can increase your gut permeability and that will have long-term impact on your overall health. Uh, now, uh, Stephen, you also written about heavy metals right? Uh, and how they have an impact on us. And when you think about a heavy metal, you would never imagine that you're actually consuming it and it's in your body. So could you give us an overview of what these heavy metals are and uh, maybe how they influence our health and energy? Absolutely. And so heavy metals are, for the most part, naturally occurring in the environment. Okay. But the problem is that we were never meant to get the load that we have right now. So for example, in most of the water supply out there, there's a lot of aluminum. And aluminum is actually used to bind to other metals in the water and kind of drag it down so to, to clean those metals out. But what's left is a lot of aluminum. Now, we know aluminum can cause uh, or lead to inflammation in the brain, which could lead to then Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. We know it can affect the immune system. It can affect uh, the nervous system and cause things like MS. Uh, other metals, such as mercury, or if we look at um, toxins such as arsenic, um, those can lead to thyroid-based issues because they're part of what's called a haloid group. And a haloid group also contains iodine. And iodine is uptaken or used by the thyroid to create thyroid hormone. Well, it could uptake fluoride as well, or it could get blocked by mercury. So what happens is we get exposed to these through our water. We also get exposed to them through our food. And oftentimes, um, pharmaceutical-based drugs like statins and antidepressants, et cetera, that we're taking them in and it's leading to then all sorts of immune-based issues because, again, your immune system goes after things that shouldn't be in your body and metals should not be in your bloodstream. Got it. So I guess one of the solutions then would be to ensure that we are getting clean, suitable drinking water, right? That's one of the biggest things. And also using a shower filter or bath filter filter for yourself and for your children. Okay. And uh, what type of filters are we talking about here? I mean, I think the most common one that I see quite a lot is the Brita water filter. Is that suitable or do you need something more advanced than that? So I never like to disparage any company. And, and okay. I like to say Brita was one of the first out there. So they're, they were putting good into the world. However, yeah. there are studies showing that they can actually add more aluminum back to the water, other substrates, because the filter allows for that. So okay. what I like are, um, well, I mean, my favorite is a Berkey water filter. Um, okay. And that allows you to filter out not just a lot of the heavy metals, but it filters out VOCs, gases that you don't even see in the water, um, all sorts of different pesticides, et cetera, that can be runoff. So it's, you can get them in all different sizes. They sit right on your counter, super easy. You could, you could go more expensive if you wanted to with reverse osmosis, but at that point, you have to understand that you're taking a lot of the minerals out. So you want to mm-hmm. squeeze back in some lime uh, and some Himalayan sea salt or rock salt, which is a, an Ayurvedic thing, and stir it up, that will give you back more of those minerals. You can use trace minerals. So there's many different um, suitable things. I mean, the best thing you could possibly drink is spring water, but I know not everyone has access to spring water. Got it, got it. Yeah, of course, uh, uh, not everyone for sure has access to spring water. And you've shared some amazing tips with us, that of adding lime to our water, right? As well as some Himalayan salt, because that will ensure that you have the right minerals in your water, and that's really healthy as well. And that's that's something to think about. Uh, so, Stephen, in your book, you've written about numerous concepts, as you've shared with us so far in this interview. And your book, of course, is over 400 pages long, so a lot to learn and a lot to uh, a lot to apply as well. And uh, so, so using the Pareto principle, which suggests that 80% of the results are determined by 20% of the factors, what is that 20% that we should, without a doubt, be keeping in mind? when it comes to more balance and more energy in our life? It's a great question. It's something I had to ask myself about five years ago. Okay. And that's because at that point, we were doing 20,000 appointments a year. Okay. Um, I didn't want to open up another wellness center. It's not that I didn't want to try to serve more people, but it, right. it, it just gets to be a, a human resources game rather than uh, you know helping yeah. more people. So what I wanted to do was take a lot of this practice online. And we've been using something in my practice called a functional medicine detox. Okay. And what I did was reformulate it to 
use a lot of the Ayurvedic based herbs like um, triphala and uh, curcumin and, and ginger and um, a lot of these great things that we can use. And we know that that are very, very beneficial for the gut. We combine those with functional medicine with glutathione, reduced glutathione and taurine and N-acetylcysteine and uh, the nutrients that our body needs. And so we said, we want people to do a 21-day functional medicine detox. Not, not because it's the end-all be-all, but you're going to learn how to do an elimination diet, an anti-inflammatory diet, low glycemic diet. You're going to learn about meal timing. You're going to learn about having a light breakfast, breakfast not this heavy breakfast of sausage and eggs and all that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's going to teach you more along the way that you can learn in 21 days that you could get doing all sorts of different things. And it's only three different products kind of put into one. But the main thing is it teaches you about whole food and food combining. So that's what I did. I said, we have so much that we want to offer people, but it's, it's overwhelming. So where do you start? So that's where we started. In, and that's the detox that we do with our community every 12 weeks. And anybody can do it at any time, though. Got it. So it's called the 21-day cleanse. Is that what it's called? If they just look up Dr. Cabral Detox, uh, people will find it. It's at equilibriumnutrition.com. Um, and a lot of functional medicine doctors are using it right now. I mean, people are using it because they're, they're realizing that this is one of the fastest ways to get people to lose weight a healthy way. And, and to, it, because all it's doing, though, is creating balance in your body. Remember, a doctor is never going to cure disease. Mm. There is no supplement or diet that's going to cure disease. What happens is you give your body back the nutrients it needs, you right. begin to take out the toxicity, and your body is what goes to work. I can't take credit for anything. Your body is the thing doing the work. I just have to give it the raw material to do its job. And most people are missing that. Got it. So that's a beautiful point to make. And this also is something that uh, a couple of healers in the spiritual community say, which is uh, no matter if somebody is working with you on a diet or whether they're you know working with you on Reiki or healing or even Qigong, they're trying to facilitate the process, but ultimately your own body is the healer. And when you give it the right conditions and environment, then it will go to healing. So uh, thanks a lot for sharing. And, you know, these days, there's a lot of talk about longevity, right? And living beyond maybe the age of 120, or even more than that, what according to you, is, uh, you know, longevity, what is the key to longevity, and uh, looking and feeling younger, even at an older age? Yeah, my, my favorite thing, I studied um, Deepak Chopra quite a bit about 20 okay. years ago. And I used to listen to his 18 CD set over and over on Ayurveda and just the principles of life. It's right. very beautiful. I don't know that it's still available anymore, but um, okay. if anybody can find it used, it's, it's worth it. But he said one quote that stuck with me forever. And it is that the key to immortality, let's call it longevity, is infinite flexibility. Mm. And I love that. And, but I didn't get it at first. I didn't understand it. But now I do. Because... Before, when I was younger and I was supposed to be healthier than I am now, when every year I feel healthier than the last, mm -hmm. if I ever went a night without sleep or if I didn't even get eight hours of sleep, I would feel sick and run down the next day. Right. Or if I was on an airplane with other people, I would get sick the next day. But now I could go a night without sleep. I could get on an airplane and not get sick. I can do a lot of things because my body, as we're going back to before, has a different terrain. Mm -hmm. The soil is different. And it allows me to be more flexible. I don't have to be as rigid. My mind is also not as rigid as well. I don't have to worry about getting sick, so I don't get sick. And I don't have to worry about ever failing at something because it's a lesson in life. So you, if you want to live a long, healthy life, you need, to be, you need to reduce stress. You need to reduce what's called sympathetic nervous system dominance. It's mm -hmm. the only way to do it. That is, that's the main way to do it. And too many people at night are working right to bedtime, and they've got all sorts of EMFs and light at night and all these things keeping them from turning on that parasympathetic nervous system and, and turning down their cortisol in fight or flight. So, you know, if I'm what my, a lot of my, my research and my work in about, let's say five or 10 years from now, after I feel like I've maxed, like how do I create a protocol for everyone to heal is all going to be based on longevity because I'm going to be combining again, the best of biotech with mm -hmm. again, the best of Ayurveda. It's yearly panchakama. It is absolutely intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting is one of the closest things that we have to the fountain of youth. Mm -hmm. And it is getting, it's staying within the diurnal rhythm. People who do not sleep between the hours of about 9.30 at night or so till about 5.36 in the morning, and they do the overnight shift of work, live about seven years less. Mm -hmm. Because their body's producing cortisol and not melatonin. It's backwards. It's upside down. 
So there are principles to live by with nature. The further you get away from nature, the less your life will be. And I've studied the yogis and I've studied the, (laughs) you know, all sorts of the Vedas. And and there are things that they know that we need Mm. to pass on now, but also like bring it up to date. People in the U.S., they they can't grasp what we talk about, you know, in Ayurvedic medicine. So I want to bring it more to like the Western based culture. Got it, got it. And in fact, this is, uh, Stephen, I have embarked on a morning routine, which is trying to wake up either at 5 a.m. or slightly close to 5 a.m. Mm. So according to you, what is the ideal time that I should be sleeping at? Because, uh, you know, I've, I've, I'm sort of successfully been waking up at around 5, 5, 10 without any tiredness or fatigue. But from a, you know, health standpoint, what would you recommend? Is there any? Well, it's there. There is actual science behind this as well. You okay. get the lowest drop in cortisol, which is okay. your sympathetic nervous system. That's kind of like your go 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 hormone. You get okay. the lowest point of the day at nine thirty p.m. Mm. It actually starts to rise slightly after ten p.m., which is why sometimes people feel like they get a second wind. Mm. But you don't want that second wind. A lot of people believe they're night owls, but they mm. are not. That's a misinterpretation by lab testing that shows people with higher cortisol at night. That doesn't mean it's a good thing. It simply means okay. they do have higher cortisol at night. If you took someone and you were to put them in a tent in nature, after about a week of waking up with the sun every morning at 5.30 a.m. or 6.30 a.m., whatever time yeah. of season it is, they would be so exhausted, they would be falling asleep by 8.30, 9.30 at night. So we know that humans are meant to be in the rhythm of the natural world, but we have light, which keeps us awake longer. Mm-hmm. So we know that the greatest response in cortisol is in the morning with the sunrise, summer between 5.30 and 7, depending on the time of the year and, and where you live. So what you want to do is wake up close to when the sun is rising, and you want to go to bed about eight hours before that. Now, some people, the kapha body type needs a little less sleep. The vata mm. body type needs about an hour more sleep. But also, the more active you are, the more sleep you are. I mean, the more sleep you need. So if you're very active mentally, that counts as well. Um, so what I want people to know is just it when in doubt, shoot for that eight hours of sleep per night and back that back from when you have to wake up. And again, the more hours before midnight, the healthier you're going to be. Got it. So Action Tribe, there you go. If you have been on this uh, quest now to wake up a bit earlier, remember that uh, you need adequate sleep. And that's something I need to work on as well, because I tend to sleep at around 10, 30, 11 ish. And uh, although it's not creating any problems for me, I'll be more mindful to sleep a bit more earlier so that I can get enough rest before I wake up in the morning. Uh, Now, Stephen, you also spoke about uh, intermittent fasting, uh, meal fasting. And that's something that is big these days. Like I personally, I do intermittent fasting and it has worked for me. But for those who of our listeners who are curious, what exactly is intermittent fasting? And what have you seen? What have you noticed in terms of... uh, uh, your clients and the results that they're seeing. Yeah, and intermittent fasting is looked at a lot of different ways, but it's simply a period of time okay. when you've stopped eating. And <laughs> the most natural period of time to stop eating would be directly after dinner. And okay. in Ayurveda and, and other forms of medicine, you would always stop eating around five, six o'clock at night. So that would be a normal time, and that's about three hours before bed. So you do actually want to go to sleep with an empty stomach. And this is different from, you know, when I was more into like natural bodybuilding many years ago and all that, you'd eat all the time because you were trying to right. put on muscle and be more anabolic. And, and that works too. So remember, it's always about your goals. But it, that, when you're trying to change your body, it's not always the healthiest thing you could do. When mm-hmm. I was eating 250 to 300 grams of protein per day, that certainly wasn't a healthy thing for my body, but it, mm-hmm. it did allow me to create more muscle. So now what I look at is, is strictly health. And so what we want to do is we want to stop eating somewhere around 5 to 7 o'clock at night. And we simply don't want to eat for the next 12 hours. Mm-hmm. And it's not that hard because if you're in bed for 8 hours and if you stop eating 3 hours before that, you're already at 11 hours. You'll be able to just yeah. go one more hour after waking up. Yeah. Now, there's a contraindication for this for everyone, right? So when someone has hypoadrenalism or low, low adrenal output uh, or hypoglycemia, they might need a little snack before bed. They also might need to eat before after waking But the truth is this, is that that's not a healthy body yet. And once they get healthy, they'll be able to wake up and maybe have some water with lemon in it, or they'll be able to have some some ginger tea or whatever it is that they like to start their day, and then they can eat an hour or so later. Now, some people are taking intermittent fasting a couple more hours after waking, or they're taking it all the way until lunch. 
So this is where we get into a debate. Okay. Because the people who say do 16 hours of fasting, eight hours of eating, they don't take into account all the people that that doesn't work for. So in a clinical practice, I lab test people. I do something called a thyroid adrenal hormone that people can do right at home. And what I see is a lot of women, not as much men, but a lot of women end up becoming hypothyroid. Their metabolism begins to drop. Their TSH levels go above two, two and a half because it's a slowing of metabolism because fasting, when you're stressed, getting the kids ready, going off to work, Mm. commuting in traffic, your body naturally raises stress hormone. And so what does it look for? Glucose, because it can't burn body fat in a high stress environment. It's too slow of fuel source. So your body automatically breaks down liver glycogen to make glucose anyways, but it's under stress, which begins to lower thyroid over time. So mm. that's why a keto diet for most women, a low uh, uh, 16-8 for most women does not work over time. Um, and again, it, there's a happy medium to this and, and you can look at it. You can work with your individual practitioner. Kapha body type does better with the longer fast than a okay. Vata body type that burns through more glucose. Got it, got it. That, that's some wonderful advice. Like I uh, have my first meal at about 12.30-ish, 12.31-ish, and it's been working well for me. But again, actually drive, find out what works for you. And what is the test that you mentioned that is recommended? It's called a thyroid adrenal hormone test. And you can actually okay. get it or complete hormone. You can get it mailed right to you. And what you do is right. you do four saliva tubes to look at your cortisol and then estrogen, progesterone, DHEA, and testosterone. And then you do blood drops. So just a finger prick like you would do just to put a drop mm. on a card. And that will show you your, not just your TSH, but your T3, T4, and then TPO antibodies for your thyroid, vitamin D, and your blood sugar levels, which affect your longevity, weight loss, et cetera. Got it. And we also have one question from our listener whose name is Kuldeep. And she asks, and I'm not sure if you'll be able to answer this, but she asks, why food start getting stuck in my throat? I'm 67 years old, not any other health issues. Yeah, this is actually called achalasia. And we've worked with many people that um, suffer from this. And it's almost always a sympathetic nervous system dominant um, issue where as they're swallowing, the peristaltic movement is not happening. So a lot of people who have achalasia sometimes also have constipation. And it's the same movement. So what we do is we swallow once, but then our esophagus takes it from there and brings it all the way down. So that's a big part of it. The other is that there's an issue with a muscle at the bottom of the esophagus called the lower esophageal sphincter, or Mm -hmm. LES. And that can become damaged over time from a hiatal hernia. It can be from um, stomach acid issues, taking acid blockers like Prilosec, Zantac, etc. So you'll be able to figure this out. You can do it with a thyroid adrenal hormone test at home to look at cortisol, a hair tissue mineral analysis at home, or working with a local practitioner, integrative health practitioner, um, to find out what the issue might be digestively. Got it. So, Guldeep, I hope you have your answer. And Amina says, excellent advice, Dr. Cabral. Thank you. Wonderful. So, uh, Stephen, as uh, you know, you obviously shared so much of information and stories and insights about how we can really balance ourselves and experience or have more energy. How does one begin on this journey of healing? Where should they start first? What is that one action step that you'd like to recommend for our listeners? Well, there's two ways to go about it. And the first way is you can go with a bio-individualized approach. Or you can go with following a proven blueprint that someone in your case has gotten well before too, or lost the weight or et cetera. So you always want to do one of those two things. One is if you, if you can, you're going to run lab testing, not just your blood work. Blood, pre- blood work is fine, but it mm-hmm. simply shows you if you're in a disease state or not, right? If you're sick, but we don't want to wait for you to get sick and out of range. We want to look at how optimal you are. And that's very different. So mm-hmm. again, you can work with a local functional medicine doctor, integrative health practitioner, et cetera. Or you can get an at-home lab test sent to you and you can get the results back and then you can get a personalized protocol. Now, if you can't do a personalized protocol, at least start with getting your seven to nine servings of fruits and vegetables every day, split over three different meals. And then also um, what you want to do is make sure you that you don't have to use, I, I've, so my book, yes, it's 400 pages, but it's actually split in two books. Okay. The first 200 pages is how you got sick like how you got here, that's important to know why. And the second half is how to get better. So it's called the de-stress protocol. It's diet, exercise, stress reduction, toxin removal, rest, emotional balance, supplement protocols, and success mindset. And I like people to work on all eight of those parts. And I'll tell you why. 
-hmm. If you only follow a diet plan, you have to be perfect. If you only follow an exercise plan to lose weight, you have to be perfect. And I like people not to have to be perfect. I like them to be about 80%, 90%. But if you do that over eight different methodologies, you're going to succeed. And you don't need to be perfect. So I actually look mm -hmm. at a, a full spectrum. There's no silver bullet in life. Mm -hmm. But um, that's what I like to look at. And, and again, that's, that's the methodology that we use. Got it. And uh, Amina says, can, uh, can we do this thyroid test from home? And can it be mailed to the EU as well? Because she lives in the EU. We currently mail to 19 countries uh, worldwide. And yes, so those can be shipped to your country. Uh, we're having issues right now getting them into Germany. But besides that, it's not an issue. Uh, and what happens is you take it, you just ship it back to the lab at the US. Um, I read your results. And then you get on the phone with one of our health coaches and they give you a personalized protocol. But more importantly than this, no matter who you work with, because I never say that you have to work with us, but you want to work with a practitioner that takes the time to educate you on what your lab results mean. Don't, you don't want to go to someone that just says, oh, everything looks good. What does that mean? Like, I mean, are things almost out of range? So you, you really want to go to someone that's just willing to take the time saying, here's what it looks like. Here's where you're trending. Let's do this now before anything bad happens, right? Like, you, you know, you used examples. It's working right now. And it could work for the rest of your life, but we don't know mm -hmm. until we test. So always say, don't guess, test if possible. Yeah, I think one of the pet peeves that I think many patients and clients have is when their doctor says everything is all right. You know, and even though everything might be all right, like you've pointed out too, uh, patients appreciate when the doctor or the practitioner is specific in terms of what exactly is happening, what could happen, and how you can avoid it in the future. So thanks a lot for pointing that out. Uh, Action Tribe, if you want to access the show notes, for today's episode, and I'm sure you would want to go to my7chakras.com forward slash 352, my7chakras.com forward slash 352. And remember, if you enjoy, if you've enjoyed this session so far, and if you're on your Apple device, iPhone, iPad, then make sure that you hit the subscribe button because that'll ensure that you do not miss out on any of the new episodes that we have in store for you. Once again, hit the subscribe button on your iPhone. Kindness can become its own motive. We are made kind by being kind. Now, this is an amazing quote by Eric Hoffer. Action Tribe, kindness is not just an act, but it can be a result too, because the more kindness that you exhibit, the more you feel it within, and your body will reward you for it as well in the form of uh, that soup of chemicals like oxytocin, the love hormone, the serotonin, the happiness hormone, and others as well. So in a way, the more you do it, the more you are motivated to be kinder yourself, which in a way creates a chain reaction. The truth is that kindness is not some elaborate project that you have to embark on, which will take months to complete, but you can start today itself with a hug of compassion, a pat of assurance, or a message of hope, or even a smile of kindness. It might feel small to you, but for someone who really needs it, especially if they're in a state of darkness, your light will make all the difference. Because just as Eric Hoffer reminded us, we are made kind, by being kind. So, Stephen, talk to us about a time in your life when you had to go through uh, a challenge, a difficult circumstance or an obstacle that was in your life. And what did you do to sort of overcome that situation? Yeah, and I just want to take a second to say that's, that's a really amazing quote. I really, I haven't heard that before, so I want to write that one down. Uh, but the big thing is that that's the truth is, right? Like, we become more of what we're trying to become or we're trying to teach to others or give to the world. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's why, I mean, if you are thinking about, you know, if someone's listening to this thing about becoming a health coach or doing something or even just writing about it and they say, oh, I'm not qualified, you will be qualified the more you read and the more you teach. So, you know, get out there and do that. And the other thing too is, you know, people are looking for happiness as it's a destination, right? Well, that destination is you're never going to arrive at it until you draw it out from within and you actually start to live a happy life. So, you know, I, I thought that was really, really nice. And, um, you know, going back to the question you asked, which is me having to overcome something, was that the question? Yeah, a situation in your life when you had a difficult challenge or an obstacle that was in your life and how you overcame that challenge. So for me, it was, you know, the big challenge was, am I worthy? You know, can I, can I go back, take all this knowledge that I was accumulating and actually then share it with the world. And mm -hmm. for whatever reason, just maybe it was my upbringing or whatever it might be, 
I never felt that maybe I was worthy, that I was never as good as my mentor, whatever it might be, even mm-hmm. though I followed in her footsteps and I did those things. You know, but what what happened was that I got out there and I did start teaching and I started working with people and I saw those results and little results. That's the nice thing is they begin to create small wins and those small wins become a little bit bigger in a win. And then that little bigger win becomes a big win and you start to gain more self-confidence and you realize that you are making a difference. And even if it's only in one person's life or one person's life, that's huge for them. And then you have someone like your mentor or other people say, you know what, we really appreciate the work that you're doing. And even though you're not looking for that validation, it allows you to realize that, you know, I'm making a difference, that there's something behind the work that I'm doing that my life matters. And for me, that was always important to me. I just, I felt like I wanted to be able to share what I had learned, but I don't Mm -hmm. think that I had the confidence when I was younger to get out there and do it. Got it. So a lot of takeaways over here. Firstly, if you want to change your life or if you want to transform the lives of others, then remember that uh, all you need to focus on is taking small steps. And the moment you have these small wins, then you'll get a sense of progress. And although you need not depend on it, but when you have that external validation, it sure makes a difference because people genuinely appreciate the work that you're doing. And Amina says, thank you, Dr. Cabral. I have hypothyroidism and my doctor is just assuming that I will have this for life. So, Yes, that is not for life, for sure. Unless you've had your thyroid removed, you can overcome low thyroid for sure. Thanks a lot. Action Tribe, as we are learning today, it's time to take note of your life so far. What are some areas in your life that you could use some more balance or healing in? What are some ways in which you are disconnected from nature? And what are some ways in which you have been ignoring your own emotions? It's time to pay attention because the truth is that we are all unique and sentient beings with unique emotions and constitutions and tendencies and dreams, which is why our approach to healing should also be really personalized. Not the one-size-fits-all solution that we've seen a lot of, but one that considers everything about you. And like Dr. Cabral suggested, um, you know, conducting these various tests and understanding what the constitution of who you are, but also understanding your unique personality and taking that taking that into consideration and then going for a solution because there lies the key to your healing and awakening. For as Dr. David Frawley, who is a master teacher in Ayurveda, he said, as long as we are not living in harmony with nature and our constitution, we cannot expect ourselves to be really healed. Ayurveda gives us the means. So uh, we have now arrived at the last round for today, which is the wisdom round, which comprises of four questions so that our listeners can take note and take action. So Stephen, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Best piece of advice I'd ever received is that you can't put off what you can do today to do tomorrow. Meaning like, the, I love the quote by Dave Matthews. It's like, the future is no place to place your better days. We always mm-hmm. believe that we'll do it when we retire or when the kids leave the house or whatever may happen. But none of that is a given, meaning that we're not guaranteed that. So if mm-hmm. you want to start living that happy life now, if you want to do the things, begin to do it now. You don't have to do it all at once. But start to take those steps. It's the number one piece of advice I try to live by. And it makes me feel like every day is worth it. Even if I haven't accomplished the goal, I feel like I'm doing that work I'm supposed to be doing right now. Got it. And if you could spend uh, one hour with someone who is currently living or dead, who would it be? Well, you know, I don't think that I ever soaked up as much of the wisdom as I would have liked for my grandmother. And I would love to have another, you know, some more time with her. She was an amazing human being. She made me feel um, like I was like, you know, again, when we go back to childhood and we can all look at different things, but she was the one who built up a little bit of confidence in me. And, and I also think that she had a lot more wisdom that she never shared with us because uh, she didn't feel it was appropriate or that we weren't interested. I would love to hear that wisdom now of 90 years of life. Wonderful. And that's what I've noticed too. I mean, as my grandfather was getting older, especially the last five years of his uh, life, there he had this tendency or this yearning to pass down some wisdom. I think when people you know, become much older, they sort of know that they're you know, going to die at a certain point or they're close to death. And so they have this 
tendency or this yearning to pass down some wisdom or some information especially to their grandchildren right yes got it thanks a lot and what do you do in the morning what is that one thing you do in the morning or maybe in the evening before you sleep that has improved the quality of your life and i believe those are the two most important times of the day you should have okay. two anchors the am and the pm and it actually starts in the pm you write down your next day you mm. script your next day a lot of people aren't living the life that they want to live or achieving the results they want to achieve whether it's in career body transformation health spirituality relationships and it's because the day gets away from them but if you script that day and you carve out a little bit of time in the morning when you wake up i mean again you wake up at five o'clock in the morning or so nobody's up at that time nobody if you, if they're emailing you you don't need to check it it's not a work day yet you get that time for yourself so script it the night before get to bed early wake up with peace start your day slow enjoy your morning and then what i do is i fuel my body every morning with a smoothie to get in all those antioxidants and easy to digest breakfast every morning. And for me and a lot of other people, it's been a game changer. Got it. So that's some great advice. I mean, I have been doing the 5 a.m. wake-ups uh, for the last one month or so, and my life has never been the same. Uh, it was actually at a time where I, w I was waking up at about 6.40ish, uh, and I was like, I should wake up half an hour before. And then I did some more reading. I said, why half an hour? when I can just wake up at five o'clock. And the moment I took that decision is like I kept doing it again and again. So thanks a lot for reminding us of this. And if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? Well, when, when I get asked this question, I always recommend a book based on uh, mindset and self-improvement. Okay. I think we started the show by you actually talking about the subconscious mind. And there, if you want lasting change in your life, you need to change the programs that are deep inside of you before the age of seven years old that have been wired inside of all of us. So until you change that inner child, that subconscious that's running these programs on loop every single day, you're not, if you get well, but the programs are that you're a victim of this disease or you're suffering or whatever it is, you will revert back to that. And the same for career relationships, et cetera. Where you are at right now in your life, and I didn't want to accept this in the beginning, is the sum of every action you've taken to this day. Now, a lot of times you don't have the knowledge to make the different action, and I can appreciate that. I didn't get sick because I wanted to. There's no doubt about that. But I had to learn the process. And then I also had to get rid of the mentality that I was a victim of Addison's or that I couldn't overcome it. I believed that I could. And I believed that I could overcome rheumatoid arthritis and POTS and uh, myalgic encephalomyelitis and all these different things I would said. I would have to manage them with pharmaceuticals the rest of my life. So what I want you to do is work on the subconscious. So there's a great book. There's so many great books in the subconscious mind. But I like the one by Dr. Joseph Murphy called The Power of the Subconscious Mind. It's, it's a beautiful book. There are so many, but that's one. Got it. We'll definitely have this up in the show notes. Um, Stephen, thank you so much for coming on our show today. Uh, it was really, really amazing. And you just uh, you know shared so much of information with our listeners and with me, which I'm looking forward to implement. And this, as our listeners might expect, is just probably about 5% of what you have in the book. And so I would highly recommend that they go check out and purchase your book up on Amazon. And with that in mind, tell us one thing that you're grateful for and how can our listeners find out more about you as well as um, obtain your book? Well, one of, the, one of the things I most, there's so much, I try to live a life of gratitude because uh, one, it's, it's the nicest life to live, right? You get more of typically what you focus on. But one of the best uh, things that I look at is uh, having a chance, I have a five-year-old and seven-year-old daughter, um, of looking at life through their eyes every single day. And I just try to, I try to be a better person for them, which mm -hmm. then makes me a better person. And it's like this really nice loop. And I just try to, I try to teach them more than give them. And so for me, it's just grateful to have the mindset that uh, I did get sick. And like, I it took me 10 years to get well. It should take most people three months to six months maximum to get well. But I'm grateful that I got sick. I'm grateful that everything I went through that allowed me to become not just healthy, but a better person. So, mm. you know, that, that's basically what I give my gratitude for um, every single day. I know there was a second part to that, but I don't remember it. Oh, that is uh, how do people get to know you and how do they get a copy of your book? So all of the at-home lab tests that you can take a look at, I mean, the first is just awareness. You don't need to purchase anything, but just know that you have options available to you. And all of those labs are at equilibriumnutrition.com. That's where the detox is as well. 
But my favorite thing is just education. It's, it's being able to teach people through the book, The Rain Barrel Effect, um, or through my podcast, which is The Cabral Concept. And that's a daily short podcast on all different things, health, wellness, weight loss, anti-aging, et cetera. So I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you. Um, and this show is incredible, by the way. I mean, like, it's just, I've seen your episodes. I followed your work. I think we started around the same time. The production value. I mean, this is top notch. So I can't wait to share this with my community as well. Thank you. And having you on my show has been such an honor. I definitely look forward to sharing your episode once it goes live officially on our podcast platform, Action Tribe. Before we end, if you've enjoyed today's episode and you consider yourself an Action Tribe member, then you will definitely love the Action Tribe Inner Circle experience where you will have access to mentors who will provide you training in a variety of exciting uh, subjects and areas, including discovering your purpose, activating your intuition, learning about yoga philosophy, and much more. So if you're curious and if you'd like to learn more, then go to my7chakras.com forward slash waitlist. That's my7chakras.com forward slash waitlist. And Stephen, you're on Instagram, right? Because at this point, I usually invite our listeners to connect with us on Insta. So would you like to share Instagram uh, page? Or if it's not, I can share mine too. Yeah, absolutely. Mine is Stephen Cabral. So it's S-T-E-P-H-E-N and that's C-A-B-R-A-L. And I love um, chatting with people there. That's a great way to connect in the comments of, of the post. And so um, happy to help there as well. Cool. So Action Tribe, uh, follow Stephen on his Instagram. Our Instagram is at my7chakras. If you're listening right now, take a screenshot and tag us on Insta so that we can share it with our own communities and feature you as well. So Stephen, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about how we can take control of our lives, uh, You know, gain more balance, increase our energy, and really work towards a transformation and also taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Thank you for listening to My 7 Chakras at My7Chakras.com. That is My S-E-V-E-N Chakras.com.